and it feel like my chest was rattling like back and then to hear it louder down the, I can't tell you what it was like down there at the end but just the boom um, it really was like a consuming feeling and even with that protection I like my ears were still vibrating it sounded like the bass outside of a club so it just being there, you felt the vibration of the top fuel. And then of course, when that gas was pressed, like you got the full. So for sure, top fuel is definitely beating funny car in regards to loudness and vibrations for sure. Welcome to another episode of the Nitro Performance Guy. I'm your host, TJ, the Nitro Performance Guy. We got sound. We're talking about sound. Big thank you to Winton for giving us his thoughts on his first experience with Nitro. And now we're going to go right into it with D Bland. Okay, and we're back again, people. I want to welcome back D Bland. We're going to be talking sound today. Uh, also, shout out to... Andrew Morales, Everything Nitro. He couldn't make it with us this week, but he's going to be with us a lot this year, so don't worry about that. Today, we're talking sound, D. Bland. We both have a certain set of skills <laughs> that allow us to hear these wonderful cars uh, in, a, in a different way than maybe the average person hears it, but I want them to be, you know, aware of these things, even if they can't necessarily hear it, you know? Right, right. Most people don't even know I'm a musician, but I am. I'm a trumpet player, so yes, um, sir. I can do a couple different things, but trumpet is definitely my forte. Um, you know, play a little piano. Um, you know, yeah, a lot of fun, a lot of fun. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, we're gonna we're gonna get to it. Uh, so, folks, this is literally my one of my favorite parts about these cars. I mean, how strong they are when they hit the gas, even when they're just sitting there idling, just how strong the sound is and it's sound that you feel like from the jump like Winton even said it earlier like when it's idling like you can feel the ground shaking like it's it's you know so I just wanted to kind of start with just a few facts you know for the people you know just just if you, you don't remember from elementary school I don't know if you even know this I had to google some of this but anyway so basically, we're going to start with the basics. Sound occurs when energy causes air particles to move closer together and farther apart. Okay, so the closer the particles get, or the further apart they get, the greater the sound's amplitude. The amplitude causes the sound's loudness and intensity. And I think that is really on brand with what we're talking about here, because this, this is an extreme of sound. Like, uh, I got like a, um, a decibel meter here. A uh, passenger car is at 10 meters is 60 to 80 decibels. And the nitro cars are 90 decibels a mile away. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> We're gonna talk about that. There was a study done in 2010. That's another thing. 13 years ago, these cars were not moving at the speeds they're moving now, not making the power that they're making now. I mean, almost double the speed and I mean, not double the speed, but double the horsepower from back then. Yeah, I think they were, uh, you said it was in 2008? Yeah, that's when they did the study, yeah. uh, when they first they, built Z-Max. Was that about 8,000? That was about 8,000 horsepower at that time or something like that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Still yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> Like, um, so I, I want y'all to know also D Bland is the reason we're doing this episode because he said something on last week's episode and it made the kid inside of me jump up. So that's why I said, okay, we're going to we're going to talk about it for a whole episode. But another uh, more thing. So we know sound trap doesn't travel as fast as the speed of light. Uh, right. So, for example, that's why you see lightning before you hear it. Uh, and it's similar to like when you're not watching nitro cars, as you kind of go down the racetrack, you see the fire come up and you don't hear it right away. And the, the, the farther you go away. And that's what I remember when my dad took me and my little brother, like when he was kind of warning us, like, you can't warn anybody for this. Right. <laughs> this is in 2002. And he was like, all right, you're going to see the fire before you hear them. And I didn't understand it. I'm like, how does that even work? And then I knew, but like, especially when you're down track. And yeah. that, if you take anybody takes a video of cars going by, you know, when they're down on that top end, you, you don't hear it until it gets close, it, you know, until it gets close and on you. And then it's zoom. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it's so hard to record these cars because just how, you know, just because of how fast they move or accelerate. Sound travels at 760 miles per hour. So, you know, unfortunately, top fuel ain't approaching that, but the sound is 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 the what was what's traveling um so this these studies we can talk about a little bit but like the study was done uh at the far end of the shutdown area so it's kind of like you're not getting all of the sound at that point like if it was measured like maybe closer at the actual facility but that we're going to talk about that too because multiple people have tried that and everybody's meter tops out right <laughs> so. yeah so yeah. just so just so we're like with with comparison, a jet engine at 30 meters is 150 decibels, which is what they say top fuel is. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know about that. And then an M1 grand rifle, a grand rifle being fired at one meter is 168 decibels. So that just just for some, you know, some uh comparison. What I find uh, interesting is the jet engines. Um, yeah. at 30 meters being 150 and it's like okay at 30 meters if a jet engine is that um you know is that loud those cars have to be louder than that yeah right. significantly louder than that especially mm -hmm. at at 660 feet or or at least a thousand it's significantly higher than that yeah and that's the crazy part <laughs> because yeah. and it's also i don't know how like these were these were red but it's continuous for about four seconds and then the sound is so big the run is done but you can still hear the car for like yeah. two like literally no lie like not even just at the more cavernous places we go to like denver and uh, thunder, thunder valley, valley. Is the best the best way i believe is the best way to to be able to tell that um, it is very interesting um, after those cars have gone through the thousand foot mark and they've let off of it and you hear that echo. It's, it's pretty wild. It's pretty yeah. wild. And I can't imagine how it will sound bouncing off of mountains because you can kind of hear it at Worldwide Technology Raceway because we have that giant grandstand and then yeah. it's kind of like, uh, like Indy right. where it bounces off of that. And so when they when they they'll they'll make the run down the racetrack and we'll talk about that too in more detail but like they'll hit the gas or they'll get off the gas and you hear like the entire environment is like echoing it's like it creates concert like concert hall acoustics outside yeah it does and it's it's that is incredible like to hear them do a burnout and i'm at 660 feet and i hear them do a burnout and i can hear the echo off in the distance. Yeah. <laughs> like, so let's talk about some contributors to that sound. So, and, you know, I, I just want y'all to know, I really revere this person on his knowledge of these cars. Like, you know, that's what we do here. We educate, we talk about Nitro. Mr. D Bland knows these cars and that's why we're so close <laughs> and he's awesome yeah. also that they're not just, not just that, <laughs> but anyway, like, so we got open headers, we got no mufflers. 12,000 plus horsepower on each car. It's like, that's, that's insane. We got large nitro methane fueled engine. It's supercharged, it's nitro burning. It's 500 cubic inches of Hemi. Just just Hemi goodness. We got large amount of horsepower. That was kind of already said in, 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 in the first one. Uh, 12,000 plus per car. Um, and then we got the centrifugal clutch application of power and just t speak to that. And because you said this and I kind of blew my mind, but it makes sense. The more power you're applying to the racetrack, the louder the engine is. And so that's why we kind of get that punch at half track. Cause that's when the clutch goes one to one. Right. I mean, when you, you can, you can look at your, uh, for instance, you can look at the, uh, Dodge, uh, SRT Hellcat that, um, Don, uh, Don Garlish took down the track at, uh, Gainesville, uh, regular car engines do the same thing when they eventually get up, to, when they get up to where that, that transmission is really pulling, you notice, you notice a different sound, especially if you don't have any, if you have headers and no mufflers, you definitely notice a sound when it really starts pulling. 
And it's the same thing with those cars. Once they really get under, the engine's really under load and trying to force all that horsepower to the track, it becomes, there becomes a different sound as, as it gets down the track. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's crazy. Uh, and so everybody, I don't know if you've heard this, but we've talked about it a little time before when they, when the cars leave the line, they pull the engine, they retard the engine about 25 to 30, uh, degrees of timing just to get it through the shake zone about 150 to 300 feet, just to make sure the tire is the right shape and make sure it's slipping the right way. It is not one-to-one. It's never one-to-one except when they're rolling the thing around the racetrack. <laughs> you don't want those yeah. things to be one-to-one. And when they are one-to-one under power, it's called tire shake. <laughs> so, yeah. Because you don't want it to ever catch the, the racetrack. Uh, but I think the Doppler effect is so cool uh, as well with these cars because uh, the Doppler effect is just as the um, the sound source gets to you, it'll like raise in pitch. And then as it goes away from you, the pitch will fall kind of. Well, you you can kind of hear it going through the clutch stages as it's going down the racetrack. I think you can hear it best at the starting line because you can hear it go up to 8,500. You can hear it pull down it around th- uh, just before 330. And then you hear like the hum, but you also hear the engine go up and and pitch a little bit as it's trying to reapproach one uh eighty five hundred and most of the cars that are running like out the back three hundred thirty are approaching three you know eighty five hundred or you know they're bet they're doing it a better job everybody's trying to get that engine back up but not everybody gets it to the same rpm going through the line. right everybody's is a little bit different and every i wouldn't say every car sounds different but there are there are differences in other cars on how they run them um mm. and even if you were to ever look or be able to see a graph that sound moves with the graph uh you know between clutch and you know engine rpm it's pretty interesting how that works um, but again, that's all due to load on the engine. Um, I, I liken it when it gets to the far end that the sound is like 20 tubas that are just simply growling, but also playing clashing chords because it's, mm. it's a sound, but it's, it's not a, it's not like, and when we talk about the sound, it's not necessarily that, oh, we have a clear, uh, tubas that are just playing a, a strong F note. No, mm. it's kind of like going to the piano and playing a bunch of clash chords mm. all at once. And, and, but it's, it's amplified and you can hear that, especially when they get going through that 660 mark to the thousand foot. Yeah. And it's also, it's so interesting because I'm, I'm covering everything I need to cover. I got like so many pages of stuff. I have more y'all. He helped me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I had more because I just love this aspect about it. And so, but I'm gonna just jump to the end because we're talking about like the RPMs and stuff. But, you know, let's talk like different types of RPM. So we got like at the burnout. So it's the throttle is only opening one sixteenth of an inch and it's loud <laughs> like and everybody that's heard of burnout and if you haven't man i'm I, I just hope that i'm i'm trying to convince you to go buy a ticket when they come near you man i'm telling you it's nothing like seeing it we can try and record it and we can talk about it until we're blue in the face but until you experience it for yourself it's i'm gonna keep trying i'm gonna keep talking about it because i love it right but you gotta buy the ticket man it's it, it's something else this burnout and so now they got to the starting line. So now, you know, the, the engine is idling around 2,700. You know, that's pretty much the standard, you know, uh, as they're going there. But, but right at, right before they, uh, as they're uh, about to stage, about to right about the time they're about to leave, and then they'll turn the fuel pump on, and then the pitch changes. The top fuel car. That. Yes. Yeah. The top fuel car is the most obvious, I think, uh, because, well, no, I wouldn't even say that. I would say they're, pr- they're both pretty obvious. Because you kind of know something's about to happen because the pitch changes if you're listening. The funny cars literally will, it will be a different note than it was just idling at. The top fuel car, it'll just get a little softer and you won't hear that tug. But in the funny car, I really hear that tug that the engine is It does sound like it's pulling on it. Like, you know, the driver is just holding back a monster and ready to unleash it. You know what I mean? (laughs) 
<laughs> exactly. And so then the light comes down and you see the yellow lights flash. And that's when they're hitting the gas, folks. That's not that they don't hit the gas when green comes on. If you if you leave on green, you're late. <laughs> Very. Your, your competition is already like at 60 feet. Like that's not that's not you you don't do that. Gone are the days where you can get away with 80 lights in NHRA. Right. Like you, you can't do it. But like so then that engine. And it's so subtle. And I think the best people that record it is you're able to hear it. So it's it's idling at that point where it's pulled down. And then at an instant, it will rev up. It's not a this, this. It's a rah, like it's so yeah. fast though. It's so fast. And yeah. like some of the some of the like uh Ron Caps, he posted a video of uh somebody recording his car from like the, the wheelie bar. And you can hear it and it was like like you can hear it revving like it's not a different thing it's like this and then it's this but so fast yeah it's really fast yeah and so uh half track you know they pulled they pulled like we said we they pulled that that uh that ignition timing down but it's still loud it's still loud you can't you can't say oh well it's quieter when they do that it's still loud the whole time that's what happens when you only got a set of headers. You, yeah. you got that's it. Just header pipes. That's it. It's <laughs> <laughs> to direct the flames in the away from the driver. That's that's yeah. about it. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Exactly. And I kind of already said this, but we didn't speak about the finish line. I haven't had much experience with the finish line. I kind of want to get that. Uh with being able to get behind the scenes a little bit more is being at the far end of the racetrack, looking up the racetrack and like feeling that coming at me because that's really the only part of the race where you can hear every part of the of the of the run clearly because right. if you're standing at the side of the racetrack they're going to pass you so you're going to not hear all of it but the and I said I texted you the way that Fox has it now and the way it's stitched together like it's one continuous thing and it's yeah Fox does done. a really good job um and yeah. back in the ESPN days you kind of you heard the beginning but then it was kind of a faint deal. And when they went, when you noticed they went to the far end uh, view, like looking back down track, that's when you hear the, the, the loud engine rev. And that was pretty much it. I think mm -hmm. Fox does an excellent job of being able to catch all those incrementals of the run. Um, obviously it's not perfect and we haven't perfected it yet, but Right. That's that's that is really good stuff. Uh, what mm -hmm. they're doing, even even on NHRA TV. I mean, it's just yeah. what, how they're catching sound is is quite amazing from where we used to be, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I just remember when me and my dad, we were late for a session. I think this was 2016. We were late and I had never heard this in real life. So, cause we'd always, we'll just, they'll pass us and then we'll just hear the, um, the hum. It does sound like a whole bunch of notes, but I hear most clearly a G I hear two, a G and C at the beginning. And then it's kind of like those two notes are consistent, but you're right. It's like a cluster mm -hmm. of, it's just a cluster of sound and like the, the bass it's, that is what kind of changed the way I saw bass because that is it in its like purest form it's like but and it's part of it that's not something that it's just part of the sound and it's pretty much all you hear and you feel that part it's just it's crazy what's crazy too is like i noticed i i don't get the pleasure to stand by the wall but uh my camera guy talks about the fact that when that car goes by and i even um even uh mighty mac was there at Gainesville he was even talking about it as well like the force when they go by it feels like he said it feels like it's pushing you away from the track when it goes by which is wow. you know it's it's a it's amazing really because it is breaking it is breaking air so yeah that that air and that wave has to go somewhere yeah um, and that that's pretty powerful and obviously you know there's a lot of I wouldn't you know it's not quite thrust, but there's a little bit of thrust, especially uh, when they had the laid back headers. Oh man, that, that was error. really the biggest. That was really the biggest issue of why of the control issues because basically now those 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 headers are like thrusters. So yeah. with more power, it's lifting the front end 
making the front end really light. Yeah. <laughs> making yeah. those things hard to steer. But yeah. boy, they were fun to watch during that time. Oh man, you know, seeing a, a nitro funny car doing a wheelie uh, at 500 feet. <laughs> like, <laughs> and that, you know, and, and but look at, look at just to just to look at the performance is, look at how fast we've gotten back to those similar speeds, you know, 338, you know, right. and nobody's, you know, laying things back, you know, so. To a thousand I, feet is the, to a is thousand the thing feet. that's a trip. You know, because we talked about it when they decided to go to a thousand feet and everyone was concerned or or, you know, they were trying to keep the speeds down. Obviously, obviously, another thing was not every track has enough runoff, um, you know, and they were trying to eliminate those two things, uh, giving those guys enough room to bring those cars to a stop. Uh, But. Um, yeah, it, it's pretty interesting with those cars on um, how quickly crew chiefs uh, found a way to get the same speed that they were doing in 1320 in a thousand feet. I'd be interested yeah. now to see what a 1320 run would look like and what the speeds would be. Yeah. Because I really do think we're, I think. And I'm going to make a bold prediction, but I believe here at Phoenix, there is a probability that we could see our first 340 40 mile an hour run. Uh, mm-hmm. We know how great this track is, the conditions, the air's dry. It's supposed to be a great weekend. That track's always fast. I know uh, Tony talked about it, and I mm-hmm. was saying it as well. I really do think this is probably the track where we see 300 to the eighth. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 you know, Things are things are really good at this track. We'll see if they'll be able to take advantage of it. But man, it is it's wild to see what they're doing in a thousand feet. Um, when really a lot of people and a lot of fans thought that, you know, I don't think anybody ever thought we'd see the speeds that we're seeing at a thousand feet um, when that change happened. For sure. For sure. I know I was one of the ones who, you know, I always loved when they would go 330 anything. That was just right. amazing to me. That exactly. is crazy. 300 is crazy. Like, it is. You know, and if there's some people that's like, oh, that's, you know, whatever. No, it, th- 300 miles. Three seconds and 3.9, 3.88 seconds, like 300 miles an hour. That's ridiculous. Hell, in eight <laughs> seconds, that's, a, that's fast. Eight seconds, yeah. that's fast. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so it's just, it's ridiculous. But with the sound, at the far end of the racetrack, like you can hear that, you can hear that. That is at the end of every run, but it just sounds different depending on where you are. Right. And so I wish I could like put sound examples in here because I've tried to like sit at different spots to study it and go like, okay, I can we can hear the beginning very clearly at the starting line. You, I mean that you don't have a choice. But but I feel like you can, there was a race, this was 2005, I want to say it was Brandon Bernstein and Tony Schumacher. It was at uh, Joliet, and this is the first time I had ever heard it. So back when ESPN was doing the, uh, yeah, yeah. but, but at this specific run, this was the first time I had heard this. It was just like, I was like, oh my God, that is cool. <laughs> like, and you can still hear it. You can still hear that change in pitch as they're approaching 8,400, 8,500, whatever. You know, you can, it's, it's, I, it's amazing because even at the far end of the racetrack, a thousand feet away, the grandstands are still shaking. Both yeah. classes, yeah. both classes. Yeah, it's, it's quite amazing. I mean, even, I'll even go as far, I know this is a Nitro show, but, Sure. You know, you you listen if you listen to the pro stock cars. Mm-hmm. I, I remember when pro, I remember. You know, I'm an '80s baby, so you know, I remember in back then what they sound like. Even even the the nitro cars, they had a different sound. They had a crackle. They had a a pop to them, like they mm-hmm. were about ready to just like blow everything up. And <laughs> these cars sound so different now. And it, the funny thing is. Yes, it's nitro, but it sounds it sounds smooth now. It's mm. a smooth, more smooth sound to the engine that versus what they 
were what they were back then. I think that's probably it's a testament to improved technology. Back then they were only running one magneto. Now they run two. Um, you know, all all the changes that they've made as far as engine and clutches and all those those things play a factor, but the engine itself has a different sound than it did back then. I mean, you can go watch it on Roku and see an old 1984 Spring Nationals race um, and listen to those cars back then. They had a really hard shake, and they they sound like they sound like your uh, your your father's or your your uncle's race car. You know, it's running at low idle and it's just shaking, and it sounds like it's about ready to shut off. It, it was really cool back then. It's still cool now, but it's amazing how far we've come of right. the way these cars sound and how they run. Yeah, like, I mean, even I, I remember um, my dad took us to, uh, like, Nostalgia Funny Car. And so I, of yeah. course, was at this point involved heavily in the Nitro. I was like... Oh. I love this. What is this? So this is like 2004 or something. And they even had like Gary Selzy's uh, car there. Um, it didn't run, which I was disappointed about. But like, yeah. <laughs> but like the, just seeing the other cars and like seeing the header flames. And we're going to do a whole episode about header flames, folks. Don't worry about it. But like seeing how small they were, but also like you could still hear the characteristic nitro sound. And it, but it does sound a lot cleaner now. Yeah. And and even when those cars hit the gas, like it doesn't encapsulate the entire space like they do now. Like it is yeah. crazy. It is cra- I remember when I saw a funny car under the tower and I turned the wind and I said it's about to get a whole lot louder in here and they started running and it was and so you know the <laughs> idol you like you getting excited, you getting excited. And then it's just that first burnout. I forget every year. I, every year I forget. And like the you get like the whole place shakes. It's like, wow, okay. We're back. What, what's interesting is too is that each team has a burnout and they're at different RPMs. They like them, right. you know, they're at, everybody's a little bit different. That so the right. sound is a little bit different. And then mm-hmm. there's sometimes where you're like, yeah, like we saw at Gainesville, you're like, yep, he overrev that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I just think, I don't know if he's using it now, but Clay Milliken not using a throttle stop, like what a stud. Like <laughs> that's, Skill. I know for a long time, Cruz wasn't using one, but like that's, it's, it's just, it's just wild, you know, to, so back to the decibels, you know, they're saying this study here, uh, <laughs> I got to read part of it. It says, um, so this guy, he came to ZMAX. I don't I think this was in 2010. So a couple years later after the, this, this study was done, uh, but he went to this place to get uh, a, a decibel meter and he goes and John Force is up there and he, you know, funny car, boom, boom, boom. It tops out at, you know, 129. Okay. Well, we know these cars are louder than that. So right. then the guy goes back to Radio Shack and is like, hey, I need something a little stronger. So he gets a $2,000 like meter, takes it back to the racetrack. Top fuel is up, the loudest of the nitro cars. And it topped out at 140. <laughs> and so, you know, I got to bring up this before we talk about the the, uh, the, the decibels. Is we got Don the Snake Perdome saying, if you if I can get you to the drag strip and get you to watch one run, I have the same mindset. Then I have made a fan for life. <laughs> He's won 49 races across Top Fuel and Funny Car. He said, loud isn't a strong enough word. It's so overwhelming. Your brain can hardly compute what it's hearing and seeing. It's damn near a religious experience. And you really feel like the hand of God comes down to you and like touches you because it, it's it's like a yeah. gentle touch, but it's aggressive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it vibrates your clothes, man. Like it vibrates your clothes. Yeah, like, it, it, just, it really is amazing. Um, yeah, I, I would assume that they're probably somewhere around two hundred or yeah. more decibels, um, and, and that that's probably near the hit of the throttle. I would. Yeah, it's very difficult to try to measure that, you know, once they're going through at a thousand feet, but um, right. 
yeah, I would say that somewhere 200 plus decibels. For sure. I don't know if we have a meter that measures that far. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, but I agree. I agree. It's got to be up there. And, and, and I feel like the closer you get, I've noticed this. Uh, it's still an experience, regardless of whether you're at the top of the grandstand or at the gate. But yep. the, the experience, it gets a little louder as you get closer to it. So I will be honest with you folks. Um, I'm nervous about being next to the wall <laughs> because I love these things so much and I don't think it's going to make me not love it. I think it's going to make me love it even more. But like, and that's what Andrew said. He said, you're going to have so much appreciation, so much more appreciation for him. Yeah. I'm like, how is that possible? Like, <laughs> that, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So being able to, being able to, uh, you know, ha have the opportunity to stand by a warm up, like in the actual pit by the car, as it warms up, um, that was an experience to see and to feel as they're, you know, not just standing behind the car. There's a lot of things I've learned. Um, and sometimes I worry about fans. That's why they make you sign. That's why when you buy this ticket, it's a waiver. Um, mm. You know, there's, they're standing in those headers. If something were to go loose, it's coming right out of that tailpipe and likely going to clock you right in the face. So, you know, I see a lot of people standing in the way of the headers. Uh, yeah, it, it, it's it's fun until it's not fun. Right, <laughs> right. I mean, there there have there is a famous moment that had infamous moment of you know at this racetrack that we're going to Antron this weekend Brown. actually mm -hmm, with the tire. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, that was unfortunate. Like, that was yeah, very, very unfortunate. Very much so. Um, it's, it's also amazing how far we've come with safety. For um, sure. For you sure. Know, you, you like the likelihood of that happening. Exactly. You, know? you see less of that now. Um, right. what, and what's even more amazing is that you see less of that. Um, and yet we are turning these cars around a lot faster than we did years ago. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. what, 90 minutes. I mean, now they're, they're turning them around in less than a half hour, sometimes half yeah. hour, especially, especially TV um, with TV at Gainesville. I mean, the turnarounds were just, you didn't have time to really go back and go get yourself a hot dog and use the restroom and lollygag around. Like it was time to go. Like they were right back up again uh, to go. Um, it was amazing. It's very, very much amazing to watch and then know that when these cars go down the racetrack, sure we have explosions and things of that nature, but it's amazing that we don't have more incidences of that nature happening mm. with such quick turnarounds it really speaks mm. to the uh skill level of a lot of these guys who work these crewmen which i call them the offensive line um absolutely it really speaks to them and their work uh they don't get that shine enough but it really does speak to the level of of talent that that's out there uh putting taking apart and putting these cars back together yeah for sure. I mean, you know, they say, oh, it's not rocket science. This is. I mean, and, and they're doing it. I was listening to uh, yeah, the Insider podcast with Brian Loans and, you know, one of the uh, people on the show this morning, he mentioned, he said, uh, it was crazy to think that they could do it in 90 minutes. And now they're doing it in 35 minutes, yeah. you know, and it's just you're right. Like it's a testament to the crew guys, because without guys and girls you know it, it doesn't it doesn't go without a good crew it just doesn't happen it yep. just doesn't and so and they're they're the closest to the cars and it, and it's crazy to watch like when they do a, a a view of down track and you can see like the crew uh i love when david grubnick's crew comes up there or clay milliken you know everything in his place a place for everything i love how they are just lined up and they don't yeah. even flinch they don't no. even <laughs> yeah, they it's don't pretty even, amazing. <laughs> like it's, I would be jumping. I would. I would never get used to it. I mean, to be that close to it, like as it's. I've gotten used to it now. Like yeah, you know it's coming, and you know I, I've gotten used to it. I have. I don't think even when I go back, like you know, you you're away from it for a while, and you go back, and you know, I 
I've definitely gotten used to it, but I've been going to a lot of these things for a while. So yeah, you kind of, you kind of know what's up. It's funny to watch the people who don't know though. Yes, <laughs> for sure. Uh, for sure. Their indoctrination into uh, Nitro. <laughs> yeah. And, and they won't ever forget it. They That's might true. not ever come back to a drag race, but they will never forget when they were at one. <laughs> oh, they'll, they'll be back. I, I mean, yeah. I went when I was a kid in elementary school. I think I was mm -hmm. like in first grade. I didn't even okay. know anything about, I didn't know anything about any of this stuff at right. all. Didn't even know it existed. I just knew that my uncle raced, you know, on the weekend. They raced this Nova on the weekend. I didn't know they had anything like this. Um, went to my first race and man, it's just, it just sucks you right in, man. You're, you're hooked for life. You, you, you're you yeah. looking for the next one. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, for sure. You know, all it takes is one. All it takes is one. And I, I yeah. really do believe that whether it's sponsors, whether it's fans, all it takes I is agree. one race and it's over. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> You'll be and going a lot. It, exactly. And that and it's kind of funny that I even said that because, you know, same story. Like I I went and I was 11 and now I'm like, this is the coolest thing in like I've ever seen in my life. And I've seen some pretty cool things, but like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I need to take everybody I know to it. And every year I try to take somebody new and they just, you know, you can't help but respect it. Right. And the sound can't. has a lot to do with it. That's for sure. Oh yeah. The nitro oh, is yeah. second. <laughs> everybody exactly. loves that sweet smell. Oh man. I love that smell. And I, I love the, um, the, uh, the spray that they use on the, uh, on the little Yeah, gator. That has a pretty good smell too. It's pretty sweet. That is <laughs> yummy. Probably probably toxic, but uh probably, so probably toxic to, to inhale the mist, but uh yeah, it has a smell. It's pretty it's a sweet smell. I just hope we don't have any commercials, you know, ten years from now, like did you or a loved one? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you might have mesophilioma. Because I might. And you know what? Yeah. I'm hey it it was it's it's fine but so we got we got a minute a little bit over a minute left uh zoom is doing what it's doing but it's okay i'm glad we were able to talk about this i mean what can you say about it it's it's something that the entire city can hear when it comes like yeah. this is this is heard from miles and it might be really dumbed down by the time it gets to you because uh, but my dad has heard this over 10 miles away he's heard them so it, it's just it's just incredible uh the you know just that humans were able to create vehicles that do this right i mean you know it's no different from an a10 gun being being shot i mean we have we have them housed here uh at moody and moody is probably 15 minutes away from my house and I can hear them shooting A-10s, those A-10 guns, like I'm wow. pretty close to it. Wow. Uh, you know, That's so incredible. it's, it's sort of like that. You yeah. Know, like people who live but continuous. Bases. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. It's just like a little, like I, I liken it to little dynamites, little yeah. dynamite. It just, it just feels like little bitty explosions that you can feel. Okay. It's going to stop us at any moment. But I don't want it to stop us without me thanking my big bro for coming on again. I told you he's going to be on a lot. I wasn't lying to you. I told you. So I thank you for this and your expertise. Always. You know you're always going to, you know you're going to be here a lot. You already know. We already talked about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're so, going to try. That's for sure. For sure. We're going to definitely work with the schedules and the time. Well, that was a lot of fun. As you heard the, the abrupt uh, sign off. <laughs> that was Zoom. Big thank you to D Bland uh, for coming on the show again. Uh, like I said, like he said, we're gonna try and have him on a, a lot, but uh, whatever we can do, we'll do it. But anyway, so I wanted to just round up or wrap up some things about the sound of these cars uh, because it is currently Friday, uh, March twenty fourth, and we got the Arizona Nationals happening currently. Well, I don't think they've started the uh, the the broadcast just yet but it's today <laughs> so uh while i'm finishing up recording this one uh i'm going to start recording the next one uh as as you all know i'm trying to do some live talk um 
live talk, live calling during qualifying. So, but before we get to that, uh, I wanted to wrap up the sound and then I wanted to look ahead to the Arizona Nationals and what we are presuming is the last, uh, but as quiet as it's kept, they're saying it might not be. Uh, reserve ticket sales are completely obliterated. Like, I mean, you can't get a reserve seat. If you want a ticket for this weekend, good luck, uh, is, is what they're being told. And we're going to get to that when we talk about the pre-race stuff. But uh, I wanted to wrap up the sound, but I could not continue before I said that. Anyway, so I know you all remember me asking Alan Reinhardt a few years ago about the differences in sound that me and D-Bland both hear. They're very subtle. So if you're not, you don't have a keen ear, you might not hear it. But I, I found it important to talk about this just because if you're at the racetrack, and you know that there might be a difference, you might hear it, you know? Uh, Not like the placebo effect of we're telling you there's a difference, and then you hear it, you know, like that. But no, it's there is a difference. And so this is what Alan said, and I love how he he worded it. He said, there's not enough difference in the tune-up at idle to cause what you're hearing. Idle speed, fuel load, and ignition timing are all so similar that you wouldn't hear any difference. The difference is the headers. The funny cars have much longer headers. They are also angled more towards the stands than the top fuel headers. The other difference is the body. When a funny car, uh, with a funny car, one header is obstructed as far as the audio waves. The other is projecting its sound away from you and there's a body between you and it. So it's obstructed. You are hearing one side much more clearly than the other. With the top fuel, the opposite side header is pointed up more than the funny car header is, and that it's and it's far less obstructed. Uh, so you're able to hear all eight pipes on a top fuel car as opposed to only just hearing one side of the funny car. I know I've said that a few times on the show before, but uh, it was pretty cool to just talk about it with you know the the podcast speaking specifically about the sound. The sound is so potent you can hear it ten miles away my dad heard this 10 miles away from the racetrack of course it's very dumbed down by the time it gets to you know 10 miles away right but the fact of the matter is you can still hear these cars you can i mean a mile away it's still registering 90 decibels and like me and d bland said it's got to be over 200 especially with two of them hitting the gas and going down the uh the track side by side you know you know for a fact they're going to hit the gas. Uh, you know, usually as you sit down tracks, sometimes they don't always make it down the racetrack. And that's just drag racing. That's just nitro racing. Uh, but I feel like they're getting more consistent as the years go. And we're seeing more s- consistent side-by-side drag racing than we've ever seen before, really. Uh, but if you sit at the starting line, it's going to be an experience you're never going to forget, Right. <laughs> I need to put that Jack Beckman clip in here. Uh, another thing that we talked about is how kind of they talk to, they they are they sound different at different points on the racetrack. Uh, and I kind of went into that already, so I won't uh, beat a dead horse, in, so to speak. Uh, but I mean, like I said, the sound with these cars is just truly ridiculous, truly amazing. Uh, it's something you just have to experience. Buy the ticket, folks. I mean, they have some very reasonable prices. Uh, but this is the only way the sport grows, you know, and it's definitely growing, which leads me into my next thing. There was some controversy last week uh, as we look forward to the Arizona Nationals. Um, you know, Mike Salinas won top fuel. And basically, to make a long story short, I have a lot more notes here. Uh, when I was listening to the Insider podcast with Brian Loans, Tony Pedregon was there, and Kevin McKenna uh, was on this week. Um, I'm not going to go into it. I just wrote a lot of notes kind of for me uh, for probably probably the next show. Uh, so I'm not going to go into it. But the top fuel dragster is supposed to be 2,340 pounds after the run. This is including the driver and um on Sunday, last or last race at Gainesville, there was some tight turnarounds, uh, you know, well-documented short turnarounds. 
where they're having to pull the cars back around in 35 minutes, which is unheard of, especially someone like me who came into the sport when they were doing 75 minute turnarounds. Right. Uh, and they still have about that time, but it's, it's not, they don't get as much time as they used to. So, uh, what was said was, uh, and we don't know anything because NHRA hasn't said anything, which is kind of a problem. Uh, how the sport's growing. We need transparency. Uh, we need to know what's going on, especially people like me who are telling other people what's going on. We need to know what's happening. Uh, but it's been very quiet, and that's just kind of something that, you know, as the sport gets bigger, more eyes are going to be on it. And, and if controversies happen, we want to know what's going on. Not, you know, some people like drama, you know, but it's kind of what makes it fun. You know, it, you get these cars, these larger-than-life cars with these larger-than-life personalities when things like this happen, we need to know what happened. You know, NASCAR is very transparent when something like this happens. We need to know what's going on. And that's something the NHRA has never really been good at. It, it's being transparent. Uh, so um, I digress. Anyway, uh, Mike Salinas was apparently heavy uh, in the semifinal rounds. So uh, maybe he wasn't. And so they're saying he was up to 40 pounds light. Uh, after the final um, He did drive around Steve Torrance it, Could that be because of the tune up Or because he was light Who knows uh, This is kind of like You know it's controversy I don't have the facts And y'all know me I deal in facts I don't really have a whole lot of facts with this It's kind of a, uh, a lot of conjecture Conjecture uh, A lot of um, This is what they say happened This is what we think happened We don't really know so, but I would be doing, I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't talk about it. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I Like Tony Pedregon says, you know, th there used to be a zero tolerance policy when you would be light, you know, up to three to four pounds light or whatever. It, th the run's thrown out. Uh, they're not making him give the Wally back. Uh, they are taking the championship points away, though. Uh, which, in the grand scheme of things, does that really matter right now at, at the first race of 22? Uh, I don't know. But it could come back around, you know, in the countdown. I think he'll be able to make up those points. Uh, but like Tony Pedregon said, and I'm going to leave it here, if he comes out in Phoenix and just sets the world on fire, which we know that car can do, uh, you know, I think – He'll he'll silence a lot of the naysayers, um, you know. So things like this tend to happen, uh, especially on a fast, um, you know, turnaround time. Things things can be, you know, uh, miscommunicated, so to speak. Uh, but there's something that you know, D. Bland said that I did want to speak about is how dangerous these cars are and how fast they're now having to turn them around. And fans having to sign waivers. That is true. That is 100% sure uh, true. Um, but the likelihood of incidents happening at the racetrack involving a spectator is rare. It, it's, it's extremely rare. Um, sure, it's happened. Um, but it hasn't happened in a long time. And that's just a testament to the safety of these cars. You know, things do happen. Uh, but, you know... The likelihood of it happening is not, it's not very probable, you know. Um, it's not very likely, I'll say that. Um, but, you know, they're expecting some really, really stout conditions this weekend. Uh, Tony Pedragon is, is, you know, saying that we could have our first 300 to the 8th this weekend. First 300 mile power run in top fuel to the 8th mile. How crazy is that? Not, 30 years ago Well 31 years now or so Was the first 300 mile power run 301 by Kenny Bernstein And that was to the quarter mile folks We're talking about in 660 feet 300 miles per hour And you know it probably It probably fall off after that And, and go you know 334 335 or something like that uh, it wouldn't be anything like a 340, but they are pre uh, predicting 340 could happen this weekend. So who knows? This, this 
they said on the podcast that this was the fastest race last year uh, uh, across all of them. It was faster than Sonoma, which is always a fast race. Um, it was the <laughs> Acceleration Clinic uh, episode, if you want to listen back to that. But, you know, we they talked about Doug Kalitta and how great he looked and how AJ is looking good at 364 in the first round and it was out of the groove folks it was near the uh, center line and he was going 364 you know so they finally got a handle on that thing and now we're going to see what they can do uh this is a really good racetrack uh so it's going to be very 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 interesting to see what happens in the top fuel class. We got full fields, 16 in both nitro classes and 18 in pro stock. We also have the Mission Foods Too Fast, Too Tasty uh, rematches as well. And I wrote those down just so we can keep track of that. In top fuel, we got Mike Salinas versus Leah Pruitt. These are all rematches of the semifinals. We know who won. It was Mike Salinas. And then Steve Torrance and Doug Coletta will match up again for $10,000. I think that is so cool. Uh, and, and we know Steve Torrance won last week. Uh, funny card, we got Matt Hagen. It will line up against Alexis DeJoria. Uh, Matt Hagen won that because we know he won the race. And then J.R. Todd and Chad Green. How about Chad Green uh, is going to roll it up there again next to the DHL Yellow Fellas. He had a really good-looking card last week. Uh, but so does JR. JR, of course, won that. He was in the final. He was runner-up last week. In the pro stock, we got Troy Coughlin Jr. and Dallas Glenn. And then Mason McGahey and Greg Anderson will race for 7,500 bones. 7,500. Um, so this is another one. This is another um, interesting point that was brought up. And then we're going to... We're going to put a period on this one. I can go ahead and get it out to y'all. Uh, the sport is growing. Uh, we're seeing another sellout, the second race in a row. And the, the question was posed, you know, the racers. You got to get to the racetrack earlier because you, you got to drive the same roads that the spectators do. Uh, and Brian was saying that he got a screenshot from someone in NHRA saying that, hey, you need to get there early, basically. Um, and it was kind of met with groans and eye rolls. And, you know, are we ready for it to be a mainstream sport? Are we ready? You know, so it, it's it's amazing to to experience what it's becoming. And, and they were saying, are they ready? You know? This is what it's gonna it's it's gonna require, you know. Um, Tony's very hard on the drivers, but he really wants them to be the face of the NHRA, the ones who are showing the fans like these are the people that are getting into these chariots of fire, literally, and and they're 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 becoming more. It's becoming mainstream finally, but there's a lot that comes with that. And going mainstream means there's, you know, there's some things that come with it. You got to deal with the crowds and beat the crowds in some instances. So I think we're on the way. And, you know, that segment was ended with ready or not, it's coming and it's here. And it's just a testament to NHRA. I know I'm very critical of NHRA, but not in a way of just I have griped all every week. You know, it's not that. I love this sport and I want it to be better. And NHRA has done great work that they haven't got a lot of credit for. Uh, they have done a great job bringing big sponsors in, like Mission Foods, to to sponsor, uh, you know, this these these rematches, and then you know, Pep Boys sponsoring the the call out races for Nitro. Um, you know. It we this is the time where big sponsors are coming. Now they also there there was a a a caveat to you know the sport getting bigger because Rick Ware, uh, Clay Milliken's team owner has already said there's a lot of NASCAR folks looking over here and and, and thinking about you know spending some money, and you know someone mentioned I can't remember if it was Kevin or, or Tony is this the end of the small independent team. 
And that's a good point. You know, it takes money to run these cars. We know that they eat money. They just do. As soon as they start, the money <laughs> is being spent. So it's 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 I don't know really how to say it. You 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 would kind of expect that that would be the end of the small team, but I just like I've been saying for years, I think we just gotta just for pulling into the racetrack here, take this money, you know. Uh, sure, some people might say, well, they should earn it. Well, yeah, I think they should be able to earn more as the weekend goes. But say if you're a Cinderella store and you get to the semifinal round, you should get some money. Uh, so you can come to the next race if you wanted to. Uh, so it's it's a very good point, very good discussion discussion point. I don't really know. I would hope not. Um, I would say that there would still be equalizers because it's drag racing. So if you're if you're a small team and you only come to like three or four races a year and you roll up next to let's let's use funny car as an example. Winton is laughing. <laughs> uh, this mic can hear everything. No, it does. I don't mind. It's fine. It's all good. You, y'all remember when um, the house phone used to ring while I was recording? It's all good. Um, but what I was saying was, you know, let's say we're in funny car and you got you you got a funny car that only comes out once a year. You roll up next to J.R. Todd or, or Matt Hagen. And Matt smokes the tires because he doesn't race the racetracks uh, or, you know, Dickie Venables tunes it up too much. You know, they they don't take independent folks lightly because you can win. Anybody can win at any given moment. So I don't think it'll be the last of the independent cars because it's drag racing. You can't run them on paper, and that's why they don't. So I, I do think there will still be something to be said for those drivers who come to one or two races a year. They still have a chance to, you know, get in the show, one, and two, uh, go rounds. So, you know, Alex Laughlin, look at him. He's not an independent person, but I, I just I just remember something they said on uh, on the podcast. Like, he did a great job in his first uh, race out with not not testing well. I mean, they blew it up. There was a lot of things that happened. Uh, but testing went well from Alex's standpoint because I guess he got some seat time. And that's all you really can hope for in uh, in, in Funny Car. That it That's a beast to drive. It is not like the top fuel car. So we're going to see what he can do. And it was a 399 too. his first three-second run on the first weekend of the year. So Lots of great things happening in NHRA, um, you know. So today we got the Arizona Nationals, uh, the final one, quote unquote. Uh, I don't think they're gonna. I think they're gonna come back, especially seeing what the ticket sales have done. I mean, it's it's been sold out for like a week, uh, reserve seating. So if you're trying to go, it's gonna be standing room only, <laughs> which is good. That's vintage drag racing, ten deep at the gate, like. That's what I remember when I was going to the drag races when I was a kid. You were like, it was like five people in front of you at the gate if you wanted to stand at the gate. You know, it, that was just, you know, and someone said it. And so this will be the last point I'll go before I start the close. Is are we in a time where we can see people building uh, really state-of-the-art facilities for drag racing? You know, we don't currently... We only have one racetrack in Texas now, and that's in Ennis. Uh, you know, the Motorplex, you know, that hosts the Stampede of Speed. But we used to have Houston, and Texas is a very large state. <laughs> so you got you got part of it, you know, Dallas, your, your, your Dallas, you know, um, people that, that can come to the drag race. But there's no one who, in Houston, there, there's no drag race in Houston anymore. So... Is this the moment where we start to see people building high-level drag strips, you know, so drag racing can happen there? Who knows? I think it's a great time for NHRA. I think I came in at the right time as far as coming in on the media side of it. I've always been a fan, uh, but I th- I'm, I'm excited to watch the sport grow to new heights, and it's about time. It's about time. So, with that, it's Friday. 
I am going to prepare for the next segment. <laughs> well, it, I guess it won't be a next segment. It'll be the beginning of the next podcast. But I'm going to go ahead and finish this one so I can put it out. So I want to thank everyone who came on the show today. I want to thank Winton for lending his words. I want to thank D. Bland for coming. I want to thank all of you for listening. I don't take it for granted. I know I haven't said it yet this season. It's only been one episode, but I'm sorry. I don't take your listens for granted. I appreciate you for being here. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and sign off and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.